0: O oh, Banter, O oh, Banter. Wherefore art thou, Banter?
1: Oh, Captain, my Banter.
0: Is thine warranty still good?
1: No, our warranty only lasts one week per episode. That way, you need to come back for the next one with
0: a new warranty upgrade. We promise that if you don't like your episode, you can come back roughly in about half a month, and you can receive another episode free. The best way to get clear
1: notification
0: for this is to mash that subscribe button! So, listeners, thanks for showing up to another Banter Banter. Always glad to have you here on our 70th episode.
1: Wow, we've done 70 episodes! It has felt like just mere weeks ago we recorded Episode Zero.
0: Ah, yes. The fabled trailer for season one of banter banter
1: the forever episode best one i've ever listened to hands down
0: we've got a heck of an episode lined up for you tonight we're gonna pick up a little bit on the subject from last episode so if you didn't listen to that feel free to but otherwise i don't intend to make any unique references or context-based things we're talking about the longevity of things.
1: I've got something in my hands that has a very short longevity. Do you want to know what it is? I don't want.
0: Grip it and rip it. Oh, oh, thank goodness. Well, now that we dodge that silver bullet. Ah, you get it? Because you don't ah, like that ah. kind of beer? Oh, nobody likes silver <laughs> <the> bullet. <laughs> We're going to pick up on a little bit from last time's topic, where we wound up delving through some stuff starting in the world of fast food, then going through the kind of products that we wind up buying, and how they have a variable, sometimes questionable longevity. And it just kind of got me thinking, you know, there are some approaches to technology, some ideas that seem to withstand the test of time.
1: You mean rechargeable batteries? I do love them but come on Duracell. Why do you keep neglecting the fact that you've got both ones I throw in a trash can? I don't throw them in a trash can. I recycle them because I'm a good human being. That probably also ends up in a dumpster.
0: Or you know like the ones that are in your vehicle that When you're done using them, you go and fling into the ocean. It's perfectly legal, and such a thrill. You know, the hardest
1: part is buying a new vehicle in California. That's the most expensive part of that process. Not me driving out there, because fuel's super cheap as a non-renewable resource. Thank you. Thank you for letting me ditch my hybrid vehicle in your ocean space.
0: (laughs) Take that, AutoZone. Charging me $15 to recycle. Jerks. Listeners, we're not that terrible that we know of. It's a reference to an old Facebook group back in the day that made cheap memes about throwing car batteries into the ocean for fun.
1: I feel like this was a great connected conversation we had from the magical (coughs) wiki vault Of WikiHow.
0: Oh, and what did we find in there today?
1: I heard it was about this ancient battery and making your own battery using copper and mercury and pottery. I didn't learn much from WikiHow. Somebody stole it all.
0: It was next door at the other Wiki? Wikipedia?
1: It sure was. Also, my next door app says that this battery will not run my vehicle.
0: It comes from several years ago. Researchers seem to have discovered a battery, or at least they think it's a battery, that was found in a location in Baghdad. From what it seems like, it was part of a series of clay pots that had a copper cylinder stuck inside of it, and then a iron rod through the middle of that. And it kind of set everyone's minds a worrying for a while. Now, the first place I had ever heard about this was on an older episode of the show Mythbusters, where they tried to figure out just how this would have worked as a battery.
1: Oh, yeah. From my research, it looks like that was released on March 23rd, 2005. The episode you're referencing.
0: Yes. So it has been quite a hot minute, but... Of course, researchers are still kind of contesting whether or not that was the use of it. It kind of has all the telltales of a crude battery, where they even found traces of an acidic substance inside of the pot.
1: That makes sense, man. I mean, you look at a lot of elementary and junior high science experiments where they use a lemon to power a light bulb or make a lcd digital clock light up using some potatoes and some wires why can't ancient bagdadians i apologize if that's not the term of the people that live in that area why can't they have an lcd screen clock with some lemon juice in a pot are they not allowed to have nice technology nice things huh
0: Oh, well, it's definitely possible. They're just trying to find the feasible evidence that these were used as a battery.
1: Clearly, rich people own them because the lemon juice is probably super expensive for import, right? I mean, seriously. I don't know.
0: Listeners, where did lemons grow roughly about 650 AD?
1: Yes, yes. We know where pomegranates were grown. They were on trees. Tell me where lemons were grown. And a location, not on plants. I get that part. I would like the geographical location.
0: It does kind of set the mind free to wonder all sorts of stuff, like what could they have used these batteries for? In the Mythbusters episode, I believe they came up with some weird idea about how they would put it inside of a like larger structure, link them all together, and then have people touch them and think that the low electrical output was some sort of a divine interjection, so they would place these in temples or places of worship. Oh, interesting. The disconnect with that is that, unfortunately, during one of the many armed conflicts that happened in that region, those pots were actually taken. From their location, so a lot of the context about what exactly they did is a little bit lost, but I could definitely see them doing something like that. It's difficult to explain that reaction when there doesn't seem to be a lot of basis for the chemical science that would go into creating these.
1: As I read some of this information about the pot and the possibilities of it being a battery, I do feel like the underlying question for me is. What did it run? And how long can it power my Game Boy? Clearly for hours. Especially if you have the original Game Boy. Yeah, Yeah, it did need four batteries that were double A. But it's gotta be super low key. It doesn't have a backlight. It doesn't have color. Okay, it's a giant brick that you should donate to me. That's at Mike8time, the number 8. Send me your old Game Boy. I'll power it and also keep it at my house.
0: What are you going to play on it?
1: I don't know, but it's going to require a lot of lemons and a lot of space for all of these clay pots that I now have to transport into my house.
0: So much earthenware.
1: Just supporting uh, local artisans, giving me batteries.
0: And the retro tech community.
1: Exactly. So send me that Game Boy for free, please. (laughs)
0: this drive for entertainment for Mike kind of does lead us into our next topic. And that's that, my goodness, man, buying a Game Boy nowadays is so much more expensive than it was just like five years ago. You'd walk into a used game shop and you could probably pick one up for $50 if you're going for like the Game Boy Pocket, maybe a Game Boy Color. But nowadays, because of the high demand on it, they seem to want somewhere closer in the neighborhood to, let's say, 100 to 120.
1: For a cool $200, if you slide into my DMs, Mike ain't time. I can sell you a color Game Boy without a back cover for those batteries.
0: Exactly. For a smooth 200, you too can be an owner of disappointment. I mean,
1: I only take Benjamin Franklin's. Because he has the best face when someone else is accepting disappointment.
0: Please. No, Bitcoin. That market has been tapped out by banks.
1: No, and I also do not accept the Doge coin, the Dog coin, the D O G E coin. If I were a Snoop Dog,
0: yes, the Snoop coin.
1: I would pay money to have Snoop coin, because that's how you buy Snoop coin. You pay money.
0: <laughs> it's great for your herbal supplements.
1: Maybe not so great for your herbal supplements.
0: Well, it's great for his herbal supplements, as he makes (laughs) most of the money from Snoop coin transactions.
1: The value of the coin is all based on the quantity of the plants he has available to him. The less (laughs) plants there are, the more valuable your Snoop Doggy Dog
0: coins are. (laughs) But yeah, RetroTech. Also, living in... A lot of the communities and having the friends that we do, I noticed that there's also been a propensity with a few people to kind of get back into older mediums like audio cassettes or even vinyl records. I'm sorry, a track You just couldn't make the cut.
1: You're a tape cassette, but you fail more often.
0: Oh, also Laserdisc. Ugh. Those giant analog CD precursors that we got.
1: I've got to say, because you brought this up, I don't remember how and when this happened, but I know it was recent, and I probably sent you a few links. I found myself something that made me really happy. The man that is the persona, Mr. Wizard, from my early childhood. Oh no. There is a YouTube video of him explaining how... The laser disc works. And I'm talking the big one, not like for your CD ROM laser disc. I'm talking like the LP sized laser disc. But it was a great video. I feel like I learned a lot about how the CD drives, the whole laser disc process actually functions. It was really cool. It was a great 10 minutes I spent.
0: Oh yes, back in the day when laser beams were the size of flashlight beams, and if it wasn't for the casing of the Laserdisc player, you could probably roast a wild boar with it.
1: It's that one skit, and I don't know who the person is, but please.
0: Benjamin Franklin.
1: Tweet at me, leave it in the comment section, let me know who the comedian is or the video that this comes from, but the joke about being melted, if it weren't for that Laserdisc case, you'd just be like, hey kids, come on over to the window, look at that mushroom cloud, so bright, don't you just feel the warmth makes your face just melt right off, doesn't it? So nice. You gotta power it off before you put the laser disc in there, and then you gotta, like, force it shut, even though it's got a motor that closes it. You gotta personally force it shut, because if that laser disc turns on first, you might as well just shove
0: yourself into a microwave oven. But meanwhile, going back to the main topic, you have some technologies, like adapters you can get for a VCR, or specialty VCRs, that will let you digitize your tapes and... Similarly, they have those for record players, where you can connect those up to a computer and take those old classics that you've collected and make them digitally immortal on your computer. Which I've heard a few people misusing it, like sort of getting into the vinyl medium, then taking music that they already own digitally, because back when we would still buy mp3s instead of stream everything on Spotify, would have those or would have the CDs, but they would get into vinyl, they would buy one of these record players, they would also buy a recent print of the same album they already own on CD, connect that to the computer, and digitize the vinyl playback of that same album so they can listen to it in ultimately degraded quality. I mean, isn't that the best audio
1: experience? To listen to it in lower quality than you have available to you on a recorded substance. My favorite thing is to record some audio tracks and then import them and like reduce the audio quality and then convert them into something else and then re-import them so like they're the worst audio track ever to listen to and edit. It's my favorite thing. It's what keeps me up at night in a happy way.
0: Yes, I like to set up a separate computer, and whenever we're done recording, I will call my wife's phone on my phone, set my phone down next to the computer I recorded on, play back the file, put her phone next to another microphone on a different computer, and then have it record.
1: Best audio ever. That's why our tracks sound so amazing. We really up our game.
0: Exactly. Welcome to Banter Banter. The Dark Souls of sound editing.
1: <laughs> we kill you, and then you run around for 68 episodes before you get killed again.
0: <laughs> or because we're only trying to pass on the punishment from us recording up until we get killed by a skeleton around the corner, and then we have to <laughs> run all the way back so we can recover the audio that we had just lost from dying.
1: <laughs> mm. Is this something that happened to you recently? Is this uh, a life experience that you've had, or are you just making this one up?
0: I'm pulling that from the game archives of games I played a while back, but (laughs) no. Going back to the vinyl re-recording thing, I imagine some people do it just because they want to see if they can, and they want to see if that's something interesting to people. There's this one YouTuber I watch, Brutal Moose, who has decided because he went through a stage of reviewing mystery vhs tapes that he'd pick up at a thrift store i
1: love and am worried for this moment every time he
0: puts a vhs in yes but to kind of envelop that aesthetic what he does for his video is he records it on a camera that takes vhs tapes and then he digitizes that (laughs)
1: I love this idea.
0: On his computer, to give it that degraded look without doing it artificially.
1: I accept and approve of his process to provide you an end product. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the investment that you've done on this specific media field.
0: Yes, thank you, Mr. Moose. It's
1: like a different version of ASMR.
0: I imagine that's a thing. There's another project I saw somewhere on the web that... Somebody had taken the movie *Tenant* and had found a way to rip that from the Blu-ray disc and then compress it down and save it as a file that would play on a Game Boy Advance video cartridge.
1: Interesting.
0: So he could pop it into a Game Boy Advance. And there was a short run where this was before stuff like streaming or downloads were available for movies and TV shows, cartoons. Nintendo tried to get into the habit of selling very poorly sounding and looking versions of episodes of cartoons so you could watch something like Dragon Ball or you can watch Ed, Ed and Eddie while you were in the backseat of the car, far before the times when you could just pop out your phone and look at them there.
1: Do you know how much one of the converter to write? a movie onto a Game Boy Advance cartridge and the cartridge itself.
0: Run! For your sake and for the listeners, since I don't know offhand, I'll go ahead and share a link to the video for it somewhere in the description on the YouTube feed if you're listening to this on YouTube or in the episode description for the podcast episode. But it was a project done by a YouTuber called Bob Wolf. His channel is Wolfden. Interesting. He does break it down and he tells you what software he used and then what types of cartridges he bought.
1: Okay, I'm super excited about this idea. Not that I have the ability to recreate it because ironically the Game Boy Advance is the one cartridge type that I don't have access to, but that's
0: all right. He compressed the entire movie Tenet into five Game Boy video cartridges because... Oh,
1: man, that's a lot.
0: They had such limited space. Yeah. And he did it kind of as a middle finger to Christopher Nolan, who insisted that the only way for people to enjoy this film would be to go see it in theaters as it was intended to. This, of course, was during the pandemic. So I think he kind of did it as a grandstand and also to see if he could.
1: It's fair enough. So this discussion kind of makes me dive into something that has just recently hit the market. An NFT. The video that I watched was a home video of two siblings at a young age. I want to say the date was 2007 when this was recorded and uploaded to YouTube. But the...
0: Ouch, Charlie! Exactly! That really hurt! Yeah,
1: That! So that has been sold as an NFT. I don't know the price that it got sold for, but basically what happened was it has now been converted into an internet coin concept. If you own this coin, you own the right and the only hard copy concept of this video which allows you all legal rights to it, which means, like, you could upload it and allow other people to watch it, but you own it, and you can remove it. It's your product. You own the only copy of it, from my understanding.
0: I think they were the ones who have taken it a step too far, and I think this is going to be an issue that's going to change the way the concept initially started. But the way it was, like several other videos and pieces of art, like memes, have been sold this way. I think the way it was intended to work isn't that you own the legal rights to run and post this and sell this to whoever you want. It was originally intended to be like a verifiable... Bit of data, like the kind of blockchain that's attached to cryptocurrency. Okay. Is attached to this version of the file. So sort of like a certificate of authenticity. Gotcha. Okay. When you buy certain collectibles that say like, this is number one of a thousand. So it's sort of that information. This person bought this as a non-fungible token. And that was the point with a lot of those. So people could still post stupid things about the Pop-Tart Neon Cat thing. As much as they wanted. The thing is this person owned a legitimate by the artist sort of like a signed copy. A signed original.
1: Ah. That makes more sense in describing how an NFT functions.
0: The person who owned the Charlie Bit My Finger one, they took it that extra step that I think is gonna start tilting NFTs in a terrible direction, where Like you're saying, they agreed to take down their version of the video. And I think it does kind of start to imply that whole thing of like, okay, so does the purchaser now, have they been given the rights to this video? Like, can they sell it to, let's say, Doritos? To
1: use in an ad. But they still own the original product, at which point they're available to use it for whatever they want and sell the rights to anybody else they want. Whereas an NFT just kind of gives you like, I've got a signed copy of this. Which gives it value, but I can still watch it free on the internet without
0: being harassed for like payment. And because NFTs are so much in their infancy as far as what they represent, I think we're kind of heading in the direction of the worst outcome because... You mean the capitalistic outcome? Like you're saying, you're absolutely right. This may become a kind of legal grounds for actual ownership of the work. And in that case, it shows what already some companies have started doing, like Wizards of the Coast has started to sell the art from its cards as NFTs. And so I was okay with this when it was like smaller groups, owners of a home video, an independent artist trying to sell their work or their meme in some cases and, you know, make a little bit of scratch.
1: Yeah, a little bit of scratch without letting the owner of that thing that they sold to be the sole owner of that thing that they sold.
0: Right. But now you have Wizards of the Coast, who is owned by Hasbro, taking their artists, having them make art, then saying, you don't have the right to this anymore. We're going to go turn around and sell this for thousands of dollars, which we don't need that extra money, but we're going to pretend like we do just so we can sell some NFTs.
1: Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. The ruthless capitalist in me says, My shareholders needed that money, and yes, that's my product. Screw the artist. The human being in me says, You're totally correct, and that's rude of that corporation to do something like that when the artist is the one that created that product. Because, heck yeah. Creative people, we need you. Without you, we don't exist as a market product.
0: The artists who probably don't get paid as much as they do working under the thumb of Wizards of the Coast, I could be wrong. They might get paid fair enough.
1: The 17-episode series we could make about that conversation.
0: But it does kind of lead in the direction of the other thing I wanted to talk about for this episode, and that is copyright. If you saw... The chart that I sent you about the revisions to copyright law? Currently, it seems that as long as you're willing to upkeep it, a copyright can be held for somewhere around 105 years now.
1: Wow, that's actually a really long time when you think about it, especially if that copyright is tied to technology advances, even in the smallest bit, because you, in our current society, are probably capable of arguing You are owed money. Copyright usage. Thanks for making me angry and my blood is boiling. Late-stage capitalism!
0: Right, and I think while we can go on about what this implies for the large corporations, which ultimately are the ones who snowball all the rights to this with a few exceptions, it does raise that kind of moral quandary of who deserves the rights to something that you make. Let's say it's a physical object. Mike, you invent something that takes off and becomes the new sensation that's hitting the nation.
1: Heck yeah, I know. I'm a smart guy.
0: And your plans to be immortal work up until the ripe old age of 100. Who would you pass those rights on to? Who do you think would deserve to profit from them at that point? Who? Mmm.
1: I would probably have to create my own trust fund that I had to intentionally write using a lawyer and explicitly state all the rules and regulations in which how my money was accumulated and then redistributed to help society function properly. It would be like a 500-page document. That would be the worst. I'm willing to invest 10 years to write that document.
0: Ultimately, while that's really pragmatic, it seems for the most part, people tend to do one of two things, and that's either leave it within the family. example, the Tolkien estate. Yeah. Uh, for them to manage, which it just depends on who winds up with the property. They can do really great things with what's left over. Yeah, then again, they can be a little bit over guardy about it.
1: They can just love money.
0: or they might sell those rights to a corporation that winds up holding on to them.
1: And then you've got Calvin pissing on Catholic crosses, because why not?
0: One of the greatest examples of this sort of legislation pushing stuff forward and forward is Big Daddy Disney, who is always lobbying to try and continue to extend the period by which something can be copyrighted, because they're in that window. It's
1: coming up. Yeah.
0: And they either have to pay their dues and start releasing some of their older properties that they haven't touched out into the wild, or as they are pouring tons and tons of money into, they can schmooze the legislators to prioritize extending these copyrights just a little bit further. Uh,
1: Late-state capitalism, man. You know, I'm stuck in it, but I hate it.
0: If you look at it, yes, there are these downsides. But the real downside to it isn't who gets paid when you decide you want a copy of this film. It's what happens if this film is no longer in print, if nobody's had this movie in print for a while, when you can't find it, except for on eBay, from people who sell it as a collectible and want something north of a couple of hundred dollars for it.
1: Oh, yeah. Fresh, clean copy of Steamboat Willie is probably a high pricey item on the internets right now
0: so of course when you go on the internet you also realize most things especially entertainment can be digitized like we talked about last episode people do it with older vinyl records stuff that never saw a digital medium release and that gets transferred over and it's on the internet and well guess what it's essentially forever now because somebody downloads it makes it available With video game software, there's so many groups that work on archiving this sort of software and just holding on to earlier versions of stuff that doesn't come out anymore.
1: You know, and that's a little upsetting. If we look at some of the copyright laws and acts that have happened, I'm thankful certain items were clarified in this document.
0: Right, and a lot of these places really are doing it because there is nowhere else to get these. Also. Electronics break down, man. Yeah. That, CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays. It turns out Blu-rays, because of the plastics they're made out of, have a shorter overall lifespan than a DVD does. So we will lose access to those relatively close together before they start degrading enough that our players will no longer read them. If I could add one extra note, there's this news article that came out a couple of months ago that some copies of Pokemon... Omega Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire, it turns out were made on a type of memory chip that are already self-wiping because it's magnetic memory. And it's not that they designed them to fail, but rather... Unintentionally... They didn't pick the parts that would hypothetically last forever. So they just lost the capacity to remember the software that was written on them.
1: Yeah, and I definitely don't fault them for that, but man, that sucks. Oh, man, that sucks.
0: You can't even keep physical media as a safe haven for owning your stuff forever.
1: No, totally agree. And...
0: What were you saying, Mike?
1: Two sides. So first, I just want to retouch base with the Copyright Act in the United States gives specific exemptions to libraries, public broadcasters, braille, software backup copies, recording covers... And jukebox licensing. But if you think about it, like, it feels very broad, but that's probably really finite. There's a small group of technology and things we have on our fingertips. Yeah. That those cover where you can still access it and there's no copyright infringement. Like, they can't copyright it. And I'm thankful that they explicitly noted Braille because that would be a jerk move. Like, that's basically saying language is something that you can copyright, and that's a jerk move. But.
0: And the foundation of all these laws are written back in the late 80s and 90s. Yeah. Back when none of this was precedented. There's so
1: much that's changed. Like, the world has changed drastically since that legislation, and I don't feel it's fair to limit it to that list. I'm thankful those things are on that list, but also frustrated. But then my second side note is going back to the conversion process. There's things that go out of style. There's things that you no longer have access to. And I'm currently facing one of those moments is mostly I could probably go on eBay and find the object I need, but I have some zip disks. They were a niche moment in the removable drive saving media, but I've got a bunch of them and I just need to look at what's on them and pull it off it. And be like, do I care about this or do I not? So I can recycle these objects. But I don't want to pay like $100 to find out like these seven zip disks that I have are complete trash and I don't care about them. That's too much money. Come on. Technology. I love that you're advancing, but also you have advanced too fast and I have lost some possible data that I care about, but also like 80% probably do not care about
0: to bring it full circle before we take this one home going back to the copyright issue while what we were talking about with the nfts is kind of screwed up and terrible i think it also stands a chance to be a moment of opportunity where we might be able to finally start pushing the conversation forward of these digital things are property they should be given the same rights to the people who purchase them like we said a couple of episodes ago a car manufacturer doesn't just show up and say, oh, that car is obsolete, give it back. We don't support this anymore.
1: Yeah, you can't take it. I already got it. You can't take it from me.
0: I think it stands the chance to where eventually data might be able to benefit from some of the same coverages.
1: We can only hope. I've got my fingers crossed for the good side of communities.
0: But anyway, Mike, do you happen to have a question for our audience tonight?
1: I do. My question is, when you purchase your non-capable-of-copyright issues, Jukebox, what's the first song that you're going to play? And why is it Jukebox Hero?
0: So to all of the gamer listeners out there, has this conversation about out-of-print games made you think about an older game? or? a difficult out-of-print-to-obtain game that you're kind of in the mood to play. And what makes you think that it should go back into print?
1: Because I want everyone else to be tortured by playing Jurassic Park. That's why it needs to come back into print.
0: So, listeners, thanks again for showing up, listening to another banter banter. Remember, it's always important, get your shots, wash your hands, don't touch your face, wear a mask, All three of those, if you haven't gotten your shot. Probably still be careful, though, if you have.
1: Do what makes you feel comfortable while adhering to law.
0: And what's the most important law of them all?
1: Don't be Denethor of Gondor. Come on. Rule number one of anyone who interacts with fire.
0: Come chat with us about the episode. By reaching out to us on any of our socials, you can find us on Facebook at Banter Bantercast, or on Twitter at Cast. You could find Manny at BrogarCRE. You could find Aaron at 8BitWizard, the 8 is Roman numerical.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Mike8Time, the number 8.
0: The podcast cover art is brought to us by at Louisi based off of original artwork by bobbin underscore goblins, also on Twitter. The opening and closing are from The Most Mysterious Song on the Internet. Help us figure out the mystery of who this belongs to.